Uh, the hand clap should go to you guys, I tell you. This is the, the beautiful body of Christ right here. No other church can touch our church. I know there's other churches that are bigger, that have a louder name. But I tell you, it's good to be right here in home. It's good to see you guys. Love you. Missed you. Thank you for your prayers uh, for us. Uh, thank you for your prayers for so many uh, in our church who uh, are in need of that. Uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be back with you today. Heart for the house. Amen. Heart for the house today. It's exciting. Uh, we've got a fellowship meal following our service here uh, today uh, in, in our cafeteria. Uh, so hopefully you plan to stay for that. If not, you are invited and hopefully you can can stay for that. Those of you who are, who are going to uh, watch uh, some kind of game later, I heard it's going to be on TV, um, that uh, you, you'll, get double, you'll get double dose. You get, you get today and you get, a, you get food after church and then you got food later on. I'm sure you'll tear up some hot wings or something later uh, for those of you who are into that. But I'm glad you chose to be here first this morning here at church. Listen, we're going to get into this, to this word today. Who's ready for God's word? Amen. Amen. But let me invite you to open up your Bibles. It'll also be on the screen to the prophet's book, Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2 is where we'll begin this morning. I have been out for, gosh, how long now? Three, over three weeks. Uh, and... Uh, so, it's good to be back behind this pulpit here. Habakkuk chapter 2, let's start in verse 1. He says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see. Everyone say see. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Jump over to chapter 3. Verse 1 says, this prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. He says, I have heard, everyone say heard. He said, I have heard all about you, Lord, and I am filled with awe by your amazing works. And in this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. Verse 3 the beginning of that says, I see God moving. Everyone say, I see God moving. Let's pray. Oh Lord, it is our heart's desire to truly see you move. To move in our midst, to move in our lives, to move in our church, to move in our city and around this world. We're thankful to be able to be together this morning as we open your word now. Speak to our hearts. I know you have something you, you, you want to say specifically to us, so I pray now that we would hear it. God, let us hear it. Let us hear it, oh God, in a way that would truly revolutionize and change our lives. 
that would take us from where we are and move us forward in where you're going and what you're doing. Give me liberty now and anoint me, I pray, as I speak to honor your name. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Everyone can say amen. Amen. It's heart for the house. Typically, I like to share a little more specific details about the future of our church, about the layout of the year and things to that nature. And really, the Lord just kind of given me this kind of this one thing to say today and, um, and, and to share. And I, I title it and looking at it through the title of this message called Looking Forward. Looking Forward. I believe, no doubt, God has definitely has a purpose for my life has a purpose for you, but we must seek him in order to know what he has planned for us. That what God has planned will come to pass in our life as we walk with him. Anybody believe that? As you walk with him, his plan will be revealed. God has no doubt worked and moved in my life over the years, as the prophet here was saying. He starts out and saying, I'm going to stand my watch And I'm going to see what God has to say to me and about our life. He goes on to, he says, write this down, write it down, write down what God is saying to you. But at the same time, be patient for what God is saying to you will develop over time and will come to pass over time. So be patient. And then the prophet prays and he says, I don't only, I've heard, I've seen, I want to see, but I've also heard, God, I've heard how you moved in times past. I've heard how you have moved in years gone by, and, and it's my cry, my prayer today that, God, you would move now in this time in my life. How many of you know you've heard how God has moved in the years gone by? You can read history. You can hear it talked about. You can read about it. You can go back and listen to things of how God has moved in the past. But who has a heart's cry and a desire today for God? I want you to move now in my, uh, in my hour, now in my lifetime. Anybody? Anybody want God to move? Or you just want life to just kind of coast on by and, and it, it just all kind of bypasses you? know, I, I want... God to move. Amen. I want to see him move. And the prophet says, I, I want to see you. I've heard how you've done it. And I want to see you move now in my own day. And he says, I have seen, I see you moving. God no doubt has moved and has worked in, in, in my life over the years. This summer will mark 26 years for me as a follower of Jesus Christ. This, this week, actually, tomorrow, will start, will, will mark the 20-year anniversary of full-time ministry uh, for myself, and I'm excited about that. If they if they would have told me in, in in Bible school all the things I would have to go through, I probably would have signed up for a different thing. I think somebody calls it character building. It's what God does; He molds and changes us. It's also this May will mark 20 years as uh, our my wedding anniversary uh, for Haley and myself. Uh, pretty exciting day, time. This later this fall will mark ten years uh, as pastorate here of this church. Ten years coming up this fall. A few of you are less excited about that. That's cool. <laughs> Actually, you you cheered right. Being staying married for twenty years is the is the is good. That's right because that's what qualifies me to keep doing what I'm doing right here. Um. 
This year will also, it's a pretty big year, this year will also mark 40 years as an established church. This church body will turn 40 years old this year. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. So we're going to be celebrating the 40-year anniversary later in the year. You'll hear us talk more about that as, as the weeks come, come and go. Uh, it's pretty exciting. In fact, uh, be sure to continue to pray for one of our founding members, Brother Charles. Uh, he's not, he hasn't been in church in a few weeks. He's been sick. I uh, talked to him uh, just this last week. A few of us did. And uh, he just uh, says he's getting better uh, and things like that. But just remember him in prayer. I want him to, to be stronger as, the, as these days go by and this year goes by as we celebrate 40 years. It's guys and people like Brother Charles who prayed and met in a living room and, and forged this thing. And 40 years later, here we are. And so we're grateful, and we're grateful for that. Also, remember to also uh, pray for another one of our long-term, long-time members, Miss Betty. Miss Betty Lovett has, has a new home uh, at, uh, what's it called, Northbrook Nursing and Rehabilitation Center over behind Tonova Hospital. Uh, that's her new home now, and so she would love a visit. Uh, you can just pop in and see her, uh, or you can call, you can write her, you can send her a card, uh, or any of those things. She, she's open and up for that, so we just want you to know that and continue to lift her up as well. God is no doubt, he's moved, he's been working, he's done things seasonally and generationally, but uh, I want to see God move now more than ever before. I really want to see the Lord move. As great as he has been in, in the years past, I want to see him in, in, move in an even greater capacity in our lifetime, and in our day, and in our hour. And as the prophet said there uh, in chapter 3, he said, I see God moving. He was sitting there praying and asking, I'll stand and I'll wait. I'll be patient and I'll write it down. I've heard how you've moved and I want to see you move. And then he says, I see God moving. You know, God is moving in our life even when we don't see it. You need to take courage in that. You need to have some faith in that, that God is moving in your life even when you actually don't see it at the moment, that he is moving and he is working. And that as I stay faithful and as we remain steadfast, we will actually see things come to pass. But there's, there's a part in there, our part, to remain steadfast. And that is, the, that is the one that's really very hard at different times. If I had to confess that, it's, it, it, sometimes it's difficult to remain steadfast. Let's look at something here the letter of James. It'll be on the screen as well. James chapter 1. I'm going to look at it in two translations. First, the NLT that we normally look at. He says this. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I like the way the message also translates it. Let's look at the way it says. He says, Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. No doubt, right? So, don't try to get out of anything prematurely. 
Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. The testing of our faith produces steadfastness. The word there for steadfastness is in its original context and language there, it means to remain under and to stay put. And so it says this, as I remain in the midst of pressure and troubles, God is working in me to make me well-developed and mature, to make me perfect and complete. That is the part of life sometimes that we don't see where God is moving in the midst of pressure. But James here is telling us, look, when you have troubles, it's testing your faith, and the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and steadfastness is is the ability of God in you to remain, to not lose your mind, to not get off course, to not backslide, to not look into the world for care and support, and to go after the pleasures of the world to bring comfort to your life. As you go through testing and as you have troubles. No, he's saying remain steadfast and remain under, staying put. Often it's harder to do that at times than we might realize. Really what this does, it gives this picture of a New Testament person who is not swerved from their purpose in God. Who has not swerved from their loyalty to the faith. And who has not swerved from being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. By even the greatest trials and sufferings that will come your way. But to be the kind of Christian that when trials and sufferings and troubles and pressure mounts upon you. That you are able to remain and be steadfast. That you will be faithful and loyal to your purpose, faithful and loyal to your faith, and faithful and loyal to the righteousness of God that is in Christ Jesus, that God by the Holy Spirit is working in you and through you. But the pressure and the troubles of life, though God, James is saying, look, it's through those moments that when you're, you've you want to see God move, you're asking God to move, and you're, you have faith to believe Him to move, and it's in that moment, it's in that process where God is really working, but He's working inside of you. And over some time, if you remain steadfast, you'll begin to see the fruit of it all come out of you. All come out of you, in a good way. In the right way. You know, and really this is the kind of person that God is really making. The kind of person that will not be swerved even by trials and sufferings. That is the type of Christian God is making. And you know what? Really nobody, nothing can stop that kind of person. Nothing can stop that kind of person who will not be swerved in the midst of pressure. Nobody can stop that kind of person. I want to be that kind of person. Now, I'm not saying sign me up for trouble because that's stupid. But I'm saying that when my faith is being tested, I want to know that I can be steadfast. I want to be that kind of follower of Christ. And no doubt over the last 20-something years, there's been some testing of my faith. 
And I've seen how God has moved and worked situations out, but I've also seen how he has worked out some stuff in me. But like Paul says to the Philippians in chapter 3, I haven't arrived. I haven't attained it. I haven't been perfected yet. But one thing I do, I look forward to what lies ahead. Amen? We've got to look forward. I have to look forward. And that's what James is really getting at here is, hey, you're able to remain steadfast in the midst of your testing of your faith if you can just keep looking forward. If you can, you can just keep looking ahead. So I want to be that kind of person. I want to pastor that kind of church. And I want to help be a part of making those kinds of disciples for the kingdom of God. Amen? That if we, I'm, I'm convinced that if you and I, if we will just remain steadfast, God will work in our life. I know it's, it's, it's opposite of the world. Nobody wants to have to go through anything. I get that. Nobody does. But church, if we're going to be the kind of people God wants to have on this earth, to be the kind of follower of Jesus, then we are called to remain steadfast. And I believe if we will remain steadfast, we'll see the goodness of God come around. We'll see the favor of God come around. We'll see the blessing of God come around. We'll see the breakthroughs of God come around. We'll see the big things of God come around as we stay and remain steadfast. Anybody want to be that kind of person? Steadfast, oh God, steadfast. And I believe one of the ways that really you and I can remain steadfast is, is what Paul spoke of and what the attitude and the spirit of what James is getting at and really the prophet Habakkuk was getting at, and that is if we could just keep looking forward. If we could just keep looking forward, even when it may be foggy and dark, even may, when it might be confusing at times, we don't really know what really lies ahead. But if we'll just keep looking forward. Let's look at the hall of faith here in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and starts with our patriarch in verse 8. It says, it was by faith that Abraham, when God called him to leave home and go to another land, that God would give him as his inheritance. It says he went without knowing where he was going. He didn't know where he was going, but he went anyway. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents, as so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Verse 10, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Abraham was able to pull up roots and follow God Wherever God was taking him, even though Abraham did not know where he was going, because he trusted the Lord. He trusted God in a dark time. He trusted God in a silent time. He trusted God in a confusing time. He trusted God through it all. And the reason he was able to do that was he looked for, he had faith, and that faith gave him the ability to look forward, not to the earthly but all around to the eternal. And see, friends, believers, people, our perspective, our viewpoint, we've been admonished in, throughout the scriptures. This is temporary. This is temporary. We're really citizens of heaven. We're pilgrims on this earth, 
walking through. Our home, our destination, our place of belonging is heaven. And that is where we're called to look. Love the song we sing this morning as it is in heaven. Let it be here in me. That is where we have to remember to keep our focus, to keep our attention, to keep our affections, and to not get suckered in to thinking this world is our answer. No, while we're here, though, we do have a purpose. While we're here, God does have a plan. And while we're here, we're called to love the lost. While we're here, we're called to be compassionate to the outsider. While we're here, we're called to help those in need. While we are here, yet while we look forward. Because that is where God calls us, and that is where God and how God is using us to bring as many people as possible with us. Amen? And so Abraham was able to look forward. And in, in wrapping up here in the next few minutes, I just want to drop two thoughts on you. Just kind of softball tosses, if you will. I'm not going to do any 95-mile-an-hour fastballs at you, okay? It's still early. I get that. But two thoughts about looking forward. These are, so, these are two things that really, the Lord really dropped in my spirit over the last few weeks. Just in being with family, helping to take care of other people. And um, at the same time, just checking on folks around here and getting reports of how different ones uh, were taking care of one another, looking after each other, and uh, especially through the, uh, through the snowstorm and different things like that. And, but just two things that really the God just kind of dropped in my spirit about, about the ability to, to look forward. The first one is this, is that we need to be able to look forward beyond our past to the future. Amen? Now don't let the very back row... Shout down the very front row today, all right? Because <laughs> I'll, I'll start preaching to the back row, and I'll bypass everybody on the front here, all right? Um, but this is one area, believe it or not, this is one of the areas that most people suffer the most from. We suffer the most from looking to our past. It's one thing to reflect. It's one thing to reminisce. It's one thing to have good, cherished memories not talking about any of that, not discounting any of that, okay? What I'm getting at is this, is how the devil, how Satan, the accuser of the brethren, will use our past against us. And if we're not careful, we'll, we'll give him our full attention. It's amazing how people will even be used in that manner. They'll, people have a hard, we have a hard time of forgetting all our wrongs, right? And especially somebody else's wrongs. We're told not to do that sort of thing. But it happens. And Satan, the devil, the accuser of the brethren, loves to take stuff from our past and bring it up to our mind and our memory and say, look, it's all because of this that you can't do that. It's all because of this that God will not do this in your life. Well, see how you really made the mistake back there? Well, that's why you're dealing with what you're dealing with now, and you're never going to ever really get past this. And in many other ways, how he uses the past. And I believe that if you and I are going to remain steadfast when the test, as the testing of our faith happens, you and I have to have the ability to see beyond our current 
and look ahead to the future. To look beyond our past and see the future of what God has for our life. Because think about it, if you, if you and I will let the past from here, if you look from here back, if you will let the past dictate and determine and dominate how you have lived the last however many years until now, you wouldn't even be here where you are. And then think about if you start letting the past dominate your future, then you will never make it to the future of where God has and what he has in store for you. So looking forward beyond our past to the future. A few, few thoughts, a few examples about that. One in particular, Jesus actually brought it up in the New Testament, and Luke recorded it in Luke 17, where Jesus said, hey, remember Lot's wife. Lot was Abraham's nephew way back in the day. And, they, and Lot and his wife and family were living in a place called Sodom and Gomorrah, and God was going to destroy that place, and he was calling them to move and get out of there. He was giving them an opportunity to turn from a sinful, rebellious state of, of mind and, and, and lifestyle and follow him to where he, where he was calling them. And so Jesus even said, hey, remember Lot's wife. The thing to remember about her is this. It said as, as Lot and his wife were preparing to leave, the scripture talks about it in Genesis, said she, Lot's wife, looked back and instantly became a pillar of salt. Like her life just, boom, pulverized into salt. In other words, she, rendered, she was rendered useless to what was in front of her because she was tied to what was behind her. And you and I have some things that, that are behind us but I, I believe because it's one of the hardest things for a lot of people to get over, and that is we allow the past to still stay tied to us. And God wants to redeem you from that. So maybe like Lot's wife, maybe part of your, your past, all of it has this in it, but more of us have, some of us have this in a bigger way and in in allowing us and in keeping us from truly advancing. That is maybe your past, like Lot's wife, is sinful. And you allow the sinful part of your life, the way the devil likes to use it, to throw it up in your face. And to say, well, man, I, I've messed up this, I've messed up that, I've made mistakes here and I've made mistakes there, and I just don't see any way of redemption. I don't see any way of really able to get any, gain any traction and gain any ground and really move forward. And that is a lie from hell. That is a lie from hell. The enemy would like you to believe that. The enemy, the enemy would like you to think that your past is so much, so huge and so big that God can't forgive and God can't redeem and God can't set you free. And that is not right. God can. The truth is God can, God will, if you will just let him. If you will let his blood come into your life. you'll let the blood of Christ come to your life and permeate you and touch your life. The blood of Jesus Christ separates the past from your present, and build a secure future for you. Maybe some of our past is, is kind of like the early disciples. When Jesus first called his first disciples, he came to them and saw them where they were. They were fishermen, and they were fishing, and they were doing their thing. They had this business, and he said, Look, I want you to follow me, and I'm going to make you become fishers of men. And the only thing we see there is what happened next, and that is that the, the Scripture says that they left everything and immediately followed him. 
they were comfortable. They had a business. They had a thing going. But Jesus had something else in mind for their life. And sometimes you and I will have plans and think this is how it's going to be. And God says, you know what? If you'll actually just do this, I'll change you into what I need you to be and what I've called you to be. But you've got to be willing to break ties with your comfortable past. Maybe some others, like, there's a story about Elisha and Elijah in 1 Kings 19. Elijah was going and searching for his predecessor, and God said, you need to go to Elisha and give him your mantle and tell him to follow you. And so he did. He found Elisha, and when he found Elisha, he found Elisha plowing a field with 12 yoke of oxen, 12 yoke of oxen. Meaning he had, a, he had an established farm. He had some money. He had some things built up. He had credibility. And Elijah threw his mantle on him, his cloak on him. And Elisha knew what that meant. And he said, hey, can you let me go at least tell some folks bye? So he permitted him. But he didn't just say bye. Here's what Elisha did. Elisha completely eliminated every possible temptation to return to his past. He took his, his uh, plow, created a bonfire, took his 12 yoke of oxen, a lot of money, by the way, and barbecued them, and then he fed the town. So no longer did Elisha have the ability and to go back and have a dependability upon his past. He now was forced, hey, if I'm going to do it, i got to go all in. i got to go all in. If I'm going to follow this man of God and I'm going to be what God wants, I'm going to do what God wants, i gotta, I got to eliminate every possible force of temptation that would want to draw me back here. See, Elisha had a commendable past. He had credibility. He had built up this establishment. And he was on this farm and he was well-to-do. But he didn't allow his achievements and his credibility and his accolades, the applaud of man to determine what he would do with his destiny in God. He eliminated it. And he said, I don't need it if I'm going to follow what God has for me. Some of us are, have some credibility built up. We've got, we've, we're commendable. We've, we've well to do. We've accomplished some things. We've made some traction. We've gained some ground. But now, maybe perhaps in this new year, God's saying, I want to change your direction. You're at a crossroads. And I'm calling you to move from here to here. And if you'll just trust me and obey me to move from here to here and do this, I'm going to blow your mind. I'm going to bring things around. I'm going to do things in your life as you, as you surrender things unto me. You surrender yourself unto me. And I'm going to open up doors that no man can shut. And I'm going to close some doors that no man can open. Amen? The past, man, it, it's, it's, it's a pretty daunting and, and powerful thing. Maybe you're like this person. Jesus was, was ministering and going actually en route to a place. And, and there's this big crowd around him. And it said there was this one woman who had this issue of 12 years of suffering. This issue of bleeding for 12 years. And she had heard Jesus was coming and going by. And, 
She said, man, i got to get to him. If I can just touch, I don't need to talk to him. I don't need to have a conference call. I don't need him to text me back. I just need to be able to touch his clothes. That's all. He don't even need to know I'm there. I got faith to believe if I just touch his clothes. The very last thread on it, actually, the one that's dragging the dusty road, if I can just get that one. And she said, man, she got there, and all this, this, this huge crowd around her, but what she did, she got low. She got up on the inside. She found her way in and got to his cloak, his outer garment, and she just touched it, and it said, Instantly, power left Jesus and entered her body and healed her. And Jesus felt it. He didn't know who it was. He was asking, hey, who touched me? And everybody's, his disciples are like, hey, man, you got all kinds of people around you touching you. And he goes, no, somebody, somebody really reached out and touched me. And she said, it was me. It was me. And he said, lady, I've not seen greater faith than this. Your faith has made you whole. And he said this, your season of suffering is over. Mm. Your season of suffering is over. Twelve years suffering. In one moment, it was over. Her past was painful. But she had the ability to look forward and see if I just get to Jesus, he'll give me what I need. He'll answer me. He'll touch my life. He will end this suffering that I've been going through. And yes, seasons of suffering are horrible. Some of you have been in that. You're in it. But it will end. You've got to keep looking forward. You've got to keep looking forward. Keep your eyes on Jesus and who he is and what he can do. And stop looking back. Stop looking back. Don't allow whatever part of your past to dom- that's not good to dominate you and your destiny in the Lord. Stop it. Stop reflecting on things that you don't need to think about. Stop thinking on things that are not helpful for you. Stop dwelling on the past mistakes that you've made because the blood of Jesus is strong enough and bold enough and beautiful enough to turn anything around in your life. Whatever it might be. Whatever it might be. Everybody with me? Second thought, and I'll end with this thought here. I'll invite the worship team on back up is we have to also look forward beyond our problems to see the burdens of other people. Because let's just face it, church, we live in a very selfish society. I know there's a lot of good, people do a lot of good, but the nature of our world is very selfish. Everybody's looking out for their own, right? And if you and I are going to be able to remain steadfast, to be the kind of people God is turning and changing and making in this, in this day and age. To be the kind of light, to be the kind of salt, to be the kind of good this world needs in Jesus. You and I have to have the ability to look forward beyond our burden, our own problems, and see the burdens 
of other people. Let's look at what Paul wrote to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 6. Verse 2, he said this. He said, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. That is, love your neighbor as yourself. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. Paul says, you are not that important. Huh. All right, Paul. Dang. You got to bust me out in church. All right. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. It's good too. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Sharing the burdens of other people means to support, to bear the heaviness and the weight of someone else's life. And I just got to say this, that we're so proud of you, the church, and how you have been doing that for a lot of, a lot of years, but especially in these last few months. Several families in our own congregation needing love, needing care, needing to be held up needing to be supported and you've done that you've done that I think you, you, you've shown you've shown our in fact it was it was said of our own church about in the in the community of Jackson it said your church is being talked about in a good way your church is being talked about at how awesome of a job you're doing of loving one another now Get this backwards. I think that's what Jesus said to his disciples about the world. He said, the world will know you are my disciples by the love you have for each other. And I know, I get it, it's, at times it's very hard to do that sometimes. Sacrificial to even do that sometimes. But oh... It's also eternal. It's eternal. Keep it up, church. Let's keep being the kind of church that shares and bears the burdens of one another. Let's not get tired of that. I do believe God will give us seasons of respite and rest and refreshing. But then also there will come times where we'll also do it again in different ways in different formats, in different circumstances. It's also good when you get to do that when times are really good, when times are really cheerful, when babies are being born and people are getting married. I want to do a few of those. I'm ready for a few of those where you get to take a cake and celebrate life presently. But don't forget those who have been suffering. Don't let them become a distant shadow of your mind. Keep calling. Keep texting. Keep reaching out to them. Keep praying for them.
because it will continue to make the difference that they need in their life. Amen? Bearing the burdens. It reminds me of this story in Mark chapter 2. There's these four men who were carrying this one man on a mat. He couldn't walk. They were taking him to see Jesus. Jesus was in this house back in Capernaum, and he was speaking, he was preaching, he was ministering, and said, the story said that it was so crowded that there was no, no room to even get inside the house. The doors, the windows, everywhere was blocked because there were so many people. And these four men carrying this one man, trying to get him to Jesus, couldn't get through the front door, couldn't get through the back door, couldn't get through the French door, couldn't get through the window. What'd they do? One of them had the idea, let's go on the roof and let's get him down inside, get a hole in his roof. I know insurance may not cover it, but let's get him in there. Let's get there and get a hole and because all we're trying to do is just get this man to Jesus. And we, gotta, we, got, we need to make sure Jesus knows he's coming. So that's what they do. They get him up on the roof and they burrow a hole in the roof and they begin to lower the man down and they lower him down right in front of Jesus. They get him there. Jesus, of course, welcomes him, forgives him and heals him. I think think that's a real great picture of the New Testament church in this way and that is we're not called to carry everyone But we are called to carry someone. You and I can't carry everybody. But we are called to carry somebody. Amen? And I think we need to look at it in terms of what Paul expresses there in Galatians 6. Don't compare yourself to what somebody else is doing and how they're caring and caring for someone else. And don't measure yourself by somebody else and how they're doing it. He said, just worry about your own life. Worry about your own lane. Worry about how God's saying he wants you to do this for somebody. And don't compare and don't measure how everybody else is doing it. You just do it the way God is calling you to do it. Because you can compare yourself and be like, man, I'm not making as big of a difference in their life as so-and-so is. Or you can also go the opposite side and be like, man, I'm doing so much and they're doing so little. Let's not be that kind of people. Because that's the kind of people that Paul is saying, that's not who we want to be. We're called to share and bear the burdens of one another, yes. But do it the way God has created you to do it and is calling you to do it. The important thing is, just do it. Amen? Just do it. And I know we all have our own set of problems. We really do. But if we are so focused on our problems, we will not be able to help anybody else. And trust me, you do not want to go through your entire life Wanting everybody else to do something for you and you not doing anything for anyone else. Because that is not the law of Christ. 
Jesus calls us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourself, sharing and caring for one another, bearing burdens, heaviness for somebody else. Now, it's not all day, every day, 365, all the time, but there are moments where you and I have to really pray, God, help me to look beyond my problems and see the burdens of somebody else. And Lord, help me, help me to do it in the way that would obviously bring you glory, but would also help that person. Amen? This year, I want to see God move. I want to see Him move in our church. I want to see Him move in my life. I, I, I don't want to get stale in my spirit. I don't want to get hard in my heart. I want to have compassion and the love of Christ flowing through my veins. And I want to be right where God wants me to be, doing right exactly what God wants me to do. And I want to see Him move. I want to see him be big in our day. I want to see him be big in this year. I want to see him pour out blessing. I want to see him demonstrate favor. I want to see him bring healing. I want to see him bring redemption. I want to see him bring deliverance. I want to see him bring salvation. I want to see him right our wrongs. I want to see him move in our day. But we got to ready ourselves to look forward. The prophet ends his prayer. Habakkuk ends his prayer in chapter 3. It's very powerful. Look at this. He says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, and even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, and even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. He ends his prayer. I want to see you move, God. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to be patient. I've heard how you've moved in times past. And I want to see you move here in this time of need. And he makes this bold faith declaration, even though things don't turn out the way I wanted them to turn out, I will rejoice in you. I will be joyful in you because I believe you are the sovereign Lord and you provide me strength. God gives us strength. To be able to stand and look forward to what he has in store. And that's what this table represents. One of the many things that this table represents. It reminds us that Jesus' body was broken. And Jesus' body bled his blood. To make our lives whole and to forgive us of our sins to put our life together and to keep our life together. And this table reminds us and gives us the ability, as long as we continue to come to it, it's a reminder, a perpetual reminder that I can look forward, that life will not always be the way it has been. But if I keep looking ahead, 
God will take me to where he calls me. And friend, where he calls us, that is where you want to find yourself being. Amen? Amen. Let's stand as we're going to prepare to come to this table today and close out our service.